0: Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 a.m. News Talk and radionl.com.
1: Hello and welcome into the Jeff Andreas Show here on Radio NL on Monday, February the third. Thank you so much for tuning in here today. Hope everyone enjoyed their weekend. We had, uh, you know, some warmer than seasonal temperatures there for a little bit. And we also had some great sports to take in over the course of the last, you know, two and a half days. Um, you know we had like basketball talking about basketball LeBron James and the Lakers finally played a game following the death of Kobe Bryant and uh, it was a very emotional night there in LA on Friday Uh, lots of other great NBA action around the league the Raptors find themselves sitting in second place in the Eastern Conference now Um, we saw a bunch of NHL action over the course of those couple of days I mean the Canucks finding themselves at the top of the Pacific Division Uh, I don't think there were too many people out there who would have had the Canucks leading the division as we approach or are now into the month of February and yet here we are so that's a a pretty impressive feat I think for them to be in the spot they are right now we'll see if it is a a sign of things to come I mean the team is young the team is only getting better and uh, I would expect them to at this point at least make the playoffs and then we will see what can happen at that point in time yeah, definitely did not have the Canucks making the playoffs, although I did think they would battle for one, but uh, still still a lot of games left to be played, so a lot can happen. Uh, we saw the Battle of Alberta go down again over the course of the weekend, uh, where yeah, it's pretty fun game to watch, I got to say. There were line brawls. There was a goalie fight. I mean, it was like a scene out of a Kelowna Rockets and Kamloops Blazers game, and we'll get to the Blazers here in a minute, but uh, yeah, definitely some great uh, national hockey action and some great junior hockey action here as well. Of course, there was some exciting curling and action which i will touch on here in a little bit but i have to start with of course the biggest event of the weekend super bowl 54 in miami the kansas city chiefs against the san francisco 49ers Patrick Mahomes threw two touchdown passes on consecutive fourth quarter drives to lead the Chiefs to that 31-20 win over the Niners and deliver the franchise its first Super Bowl title in 50 years. The 24-year-old Mahomes was selected as the game's MVP as he helped his team climb back from 10 points down for a third consecutive playoff game. And he says, uh, well, he just kept playing to the final whistle and never gave up.
0: I never have that mindset. To me, my mindset is always play, play, and compete until the very last last whistle, until that clock strikes zero. And so, um, I just went out there and kept competing. I knew we we weren't in the ideal situation, but I believed in my defense to to, to get stops, and they did. And then the the guys kept believing in me and started making plays uh, downfield, and uh, we found a way to win.
1: Head coach Andy Reid, meanwhile, finally won a championship after 21 years as a head coach in the NFL. He came up short in his last appearance when he was with Philadelphia back in 2005. Uh, That's when, of course, the Eagles lost to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. But the story was a little bit different this time around for Andy Reid. He got the job done, didn't make any of those oddball coaching decisions as he has been known to do, and his starting quarterback made everything come together just as it was supposed to. Here's uh, Andy Reid on the big win.
2: I've been through it the last three, a couple of three weeks here, so
1: um, I, I just felt like if we got it straightened out and we could just kind of find that accelerator for a series or two, we'd be OK. And, you know, we were able to find that and uh, on both sides of the ball. So and then special teams did a great job of making them drive long field. So it was a, you know, all around team effort. Yeah, like you said, team effort. I think that's uh, fair to say, given what happened. I mean, it was a slow start for the offense there for the first, you know, two and a half, three quarters, and then they really came on there in the fourth. I did think that maybe Damian Williams should have been the game MVP with those two touchdowns there in the fourth, but... uh, Mahomes wanted to. I mean, everyone wants to see him win, get that hardware, so I guess no harm, no foul. Um, And it's an an award that typically goes to a quarterback, so no real surprises there. Um, I just wanted to get back to Andy Reid because he had one of the quotes of the morning for me here so far today. Um, He said he didn't get much sleep last night, which I think is fair to say about anyone who was a a Chiefs uh, player or fan. I'm sure they've been up all night celebrating. And Reid said, although he didn't get to spend much time with the Lombardi Trophy, he did spend a lot of time with his trophy wife, which I thought was just a great line. Uh, Meanwhile, when it comes to the politics that always seems to come into play on events like this, well, I mean, uh, probably not overly surprising that this thing could have happened, but uh, Donald Trump made a bit of a gaffe last night uh, on his Twitter feed. Nothing new there, but here's uh, Karen Travers with more on that story.
3: Within minutes of the clock winding. Confetti flying on the field in Miami, President Trump took to Twitter to congratulate the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. The president writing, quote, you represented the great state of Kansas and in fact the entire USA so very well. A nice message except Kansas City is in Missouri, not Kansas. The president deleted the tweet, corrected the state and reposted his message. But the original post went viral on Twitter. Some asking if the president would take a Sharpie to Kansas to add in Kansas City. A joke playing off of the Alabama. Hurricane map controversy last fall. Karen Travers, ABC News, The White House.
1: Oh, always uh, entertaining to watch that Donald Trump Twitter feed right and for those who uh, tuned in late here on uh, Friday's episode you might remember that Kurt Appleby and I had a little uh, bet on some of what was going on in the Super Bowl we had some prop bets that uh, we we decided to participate in Demi Lovato's national anthem was just under two minutes so that was a point for me the coin toss was tails point for Kurt the first score was a field goal point for Kurt the game was tied at one point at a score other than zero to zero it was 10-10 at one point so that was another point for me only two players, the quarterbacks on each team's, attempted a throw point for me. Jimmy Garoppolo attempted 31 passes. That was more than the 29 and a half over under, which was a bit surprising given the fact that he threw just eight passes uh, two weeks ago in the NFC Championship game. So that was another point for me. And the Chiefs won, so a point for Kurt. So if you're doing the math, that leaves the score at 4-3, to three, not in favor of me. So now he's beaten me in our Great Cup prop bets, our Super Bowl prop bets, so perhaps it's time for me to stop trying to win these. So that was the Super Bowl. It's in the rearview mirror. We can talk a little bit less about the NFL for a little while, of course. They do like to dominate the calendar though. So um, it won't be very long before we're talking draft and all that stuff when it comes to the NFL. Now, of course, the Kamloops Blazers played over the weekend. They played a couple of games coming away with just one point to show for it. After a win over Spokane on Wednesday night, the Blazers hit the road for a date with the Giants where they came back from 4-2 down in the third to force overtime, but eventually came up short. And then after some uh, weather-related issues to uh to the Giants on Saturday as they were trying to drive here back to Kamloops for the rematch on Saturday night. Well, uh, you know, the Giants did have a a bit of an issue getting here. It did delay the game until about 8.25, I believe, was the eventual start time. So it was a bit of a late game here in Kamloops, but... They were able to get here, they were able to drop the puck, they were able to play the game, and the Giants came away with the three to two win. It was a tough one for the Blazers there on Saturday night. Um, the score was tied one to one when Quinn Schmieman took a tripping penalty and sent a Giants player sliding into the net, hitting Dylan Garand and knocking him out of the rest of the game. Race Ramsey was scored on twice shortly thereafter, and you know, he played pretty well throughout the course of the game, but pretty tough to come in cold near the end of the second period and uh, yeah, first shot on net ended up as as a goal um, and then another goal not too long after that. So it was a tough spot to be in for Ramsey, but he did what he could. He gave the Blazers a chance to win. They weren't able to quite get it done uh, coming up short with that 3-2 win for the Giants. Here's uh, John Keane, our play-by-play announcer for those Blazers on that specific Schmeeman penalty. Yeah,
0: if Garand is okay, it can shake it off. You know, you think maybe he comes out to start the third period here. It's potential so that's best case scenario, and maybe that's wishful thinking, but right now it's five on three, and the Giants don't need a lot of time, but they get 39 seconds of five on three time. In a 1-1 game with four minutes to go in the second period. Race Ramsey in goal, and he's cold, you can bet. off his face off, it comes back to Nielsen. And it's quickly to Byram, now back to Nielsen again. Nielsen waits, fakes his shot, almost lost it. Franklin watching him. Nielsen holds it, left point. Back to Byram on the right side. Into the corner it goes here. Giants, right side. Looking for a bit of room. It is Florchuk. Side of the goal shot scores. Florchuk is able to get the puck. And it's Nielsen giving the Giants their first lead. It's a five-on-three goal on what is the first shot
1: on goal. With race, Ramsey still trying to stretch out in the crease here. What a tough spot for him to come into. Yeah, definitely a, a tough spot for Ramsey to come into and um, you know, he did what he could. Like I said earlier I mean, he, he played pretty well for the most part but uh, yeah, coming right off the bench and getting a shot within a couple of seconds um, it's a, it's, a, it's tough. It's going to always be a tough spot to be in. It's always going to be tough to make that initial save and uh, unfortunately he wasn't able to do it and that was basically the difference in the game. So John Keane should be coming on here later in the show to talk more about what went down over the weekend, get an update on how Durand is doing here maybe um, you know now that we're starting a new week and, and see what's coming up here um, for the Blazers in the next week. So that'll all be coming up. It was also a big weekend for curling in Kamloops, so I'd be remiss not to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Jim Cotter, of course, who was born here in Kamloops, won the BC Championship and will be off to the briar. But even more exciting than that for me was uh, what happened on the women's side. Now, an emotional Corinne Brown and her team uh, celebrated a BC Scotty's title. Here's a, Here's a little bit of that. Yeah, pretty clear that they have some elation in uh, in their voice in that clip right there. Uh, so Brown in her rink of Aaron Pincott, uh, Desiree Hawes, Ashley Klimchuk, and coach Allison McKinnis forced an extra end with two in the 10th. And then Brown's shot stone then held up when uh, Sarah Wark attempted a long tap with her final stone and then ended up missing
3: my heart rate was racing and i have a smartwatch on and i end up looking at it and it was at 151 watching that that rock go down so i was definitely nervous watching because it's tough when it's not really in your control yeah,
1: and safe to say that brown is is happy for her team to finally pull it off and and go ahead to the scotties
3: those girls have put in so much work this year we've done so much to be in the position we are and and we believe that we deserve to win so it was so great to finally have the weight under our belt. I am so, so proud of them because they put everything they have into this game.
1: So, Team Brown will represent BC at the Scotties in Moose Jaw, and that tournament, where the Bonspiel, excuse me, uh, will get underway starting February 15th. So, not too long, 12 days away, and uh, the women's national tournament will be kicking off. So, it'll be uh, fun to watch uh, Team Brown here and, and follow them as they try to pull off, um, you know, a big win on, on the national stage and come away as the Scotties Tournament of Hearts champs. Um, good to see that uh, someone from Kamloops will be representing BC at that event. So, like I said, very exciting weekend in both sports on a local level and a national level, and a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Also on today's show, well, of course I usually chat with Kyla Lee here on Monday mornings, but since we are having these phone issues—if you haven't heard—our phones are not working so well here today, so uh, I may just be talking legal issues by myself here. Coming up next, so we got more Jeff Andrea show coming up after the Blake break. So please stick around. <laughs> Digging deeper into the day's
0: top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk
1: and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the program here on Monday, February the 3rd. And thank you so much for tuning in. It is time for my usual Monday morning guest, Kyla Lee. But unfortunately, due to phone issues, that's not going to be happening here. So um, unfortunately, I won't be able to catch up with Kyla here this week, but uh, still got some stuff that we had planned to talk about. So I'm going to go over those a little bit while I have some time here. So on our agenda today, the Calgary Police Service is expanding the use of mandatory alcohol screening by equipping frontline officers with testing devices. So since December 2018, police there have been allowed to demand a breast sample from anyone they pull over for a traffic stop or at a check stop, even if there is no No suspicion that the driver might be intoxicated. At a Thursday news conference last week, officials said the legislation has been in place for over a year, but now you should expect in Calgary that if a policeman stops you when they approach your vehicle, they may ask you for a breath sample. So since Calgary police started conducting mandatory alcohol screening just over a year ago, more than 15,600 samples have been taken, resulting in 142 criminal code charges and 359 provincial sanctions i mean that's a pretty low percentage point when looking at the fed that more than fifteen thousand six hundred samples were taken resulting in 359 provincial sanctions so they're pretty pretty low percentage of people that are getting um handed an infraction as a result of these mandatory screenings but nonetheless um you know I, i have a few issues when it comes to that so when drivers enter a check stop or traffic stop officers will approach the driver and say this is a mandatory alcohol screening station, so you're required to immediately provide a breast sample. Giving a breast sample by blowing into the alcohol screening device of course takes less than two minutes and the driver remains in their car as they go about doing this process and if there is no alcohol in your system, in all likelihood it will result in you know, a 15 to 20 second stop uh, and once the driver is clear, the regular traffic stop procedure continues with the officer then requesting the driver's license, registration, and proof of insurance. So, There you go. That's what's going to be happening in pretty much any and all traffic stops that take place in Calgary now moving forward. Now, I'm not personally super okay with this. I mean, to me, this is kind of a case of guilty until proven innocent, which is always an issue. Um, My usual guest here, Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee, does have some concerns that this is something that could potentially make its way here to BC. So that's why it was on our agenda of things to talk about here today. Now, Kyla and I have talked before in the past about how um, some of these alcohol testing machines can be unreliable which is definitely a scary proposition when talking about uh, handing out these kinds of infractions um, and and on a mandatory basis. I mean, if they're going to be handing out more than 16,000 tests each year or they're going to be taking more than 16,000 samples in a year, I mean this was 15,600 samples that were taken over the course of the last year and that's when uh, it looks like some of this mandatory testing was sort of not necessarily happening on every single traffic stop, but if that's going to be the case now moving forward, I mean, who knows how many samples they're going to be taking and Like I said, I think this is a case of... Guilty until proven innocent, which which is not uh, the way our justice system was supposed to work. I'm pretty sure uh, it was the opposite of that when when talking about how these kinds of cases are supposed to unfold. So definitely have some issues with that fact that uh, these mandatory tests are going to be taking place, and the fact that um, you know as soon as you get stopped or pulled over, the first thing they do uh, is say this is going to result in a sample being taken. So I definitely have some concerns about that. Definitely have some issues with that when it comes to the reliability. Of those tests as well. But more importantly, the fact that, like I said, that it is a case of guilty until proven innocent. I just take a lot of issue with that. So, like I said, Kyle, had some concerns that this could be coming here to BC, and I would not be shocked that if other police forces across the country are paying attention to what's happening in Calgary to see just how well this uh, new system will work, um, you know, to see how many convictions, I guess, they can probably get out of this. I'm sure that's part of the um, uh, testing process or the review process will be to see how many tickets they hand out as a result of these mandatory breathalyzer checks. So it's going to be an interesting story, I think, to follow and to see kind of what happens uh, out of Calgary as this um, mandatory testing kind of approaches a new level. Uh, so I'm going to be watching this story for sure and seeing what comes of this. Uh, it'll probably take a year or so before we see any uh, real trickle down as a result of it, but it It's definitely something to pay attention to because, like I say, a a case of guilty until proven innocent. And if that's going to be how things work in Calgary, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a matter of time before that is the case elsewhere. Uh, Moving on, we had uh, other things on our agenda, Carla and I, for today. A case out of Saanich has seen its first conviction for dangerous driving arising out of a case involving distracted driving. Yeah. So there you go. Dangerous driving charges came as a result of a distracted driving case. So the driver in this case is alleged to have been speeding more than twice the limit, passing vehicles illegally and tailgating. And in an unusual twist, police also sought a production order to obtain cell phone records for the driver in order to prove that she was also actively texting while driving. So she had been uh, basically um, suspected of dangerous driving, and then they said, well, maybe she was distracted driving as well. So clearly this is a case where it was not the distracted driving alone that led to the conviction for dangerous driving, but it is an unprecedented case in that the evidence of distracted driving was relied on heavily by the court in finding that the driver is to be convicted. The judge even stated as much in his reason, saying the accused was speeding, not paying adequate attention to clearly visible markers at the crosswalk. Uh, The child uh, stopped vehicles and was engaged in conversations with other parties by way of handheld electronic devices. So uh, many people are now calling for this case to be an example of why we need stricter driving laws in B.C. And while this incident was a bit of a preventable one, the law and uh, relative leniency is not the reason for it so definitely some concern when talking about um you know just how to go about um uh, having these charges laid. I mean, it's it's an interesting situation. You guys have to read more. I'm running out of time, so I can't get too much into details, but this did result um, in a child suffering a, a brain injury um, by, as a result of this dangerous driving and combine that with distracted driving. These are just preventable cases that don't need to occur um, Yeah, So it's just another story to read up a little bit more on. So uh, I would encourage you guys to do that. Look up what's going on here in Saanich. Unfortunately, I'm out of time, like I said, so I can't get into more details. And unfortunately, I don't have Kyla here to help pull us in as well so hopefully we can uh, revisit this conversation in the not too distant future and get a little more details on that um but yeah so th- there you go there that's my usual uh, monday morning law segment uh, i didn't have a lawyer you just had to deal with me here today so hopefully uh that was still some interesting content i'll have more jeff andreas show coming up after the break so please stick around <laughs> Voice of your community, Radio NL 610
0: AM News Talk, and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas.
1: Welcome back to the show here on Monday, February the 3rd. And thank you so much for tuning in here today. the phones are down here, if you haven't heard, so we're having some issues when it comes to uh, calling out here today, so it's definitely left a bit of a change in the program, uh, but we're making do. We're making do with what we got, so it's all going to work out. Don't you worry. Uh, today, uh, like I mentioned in the weather, we're looking at a high of a zero with some clearing skies later this afternoon. Definitely a bit of a change from what we saw last week when we're looking at a bunch of plus temperatures later in the week there on uh, Friday. We we're looking at some record-breaking temperatures. I don't know if we actually broke that record of plus 13.3 on Friday, which which would be the warmest January 31st uh, in like 50 years or something like that. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but we talked about it on Friday and um, yeah, we were definitely approaching that record breaking territory, but things are changing here this week. We're looking at some periods of snow on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and uh, some minus temperatures that are coming along with that. So a bit of a change, nothing that we can't handle though. Um, yeah. And like I said, it's uh it's going to be, still be a good week. It's nothing that we can't handle. It's no minus 30 like we had earlier in, in January, so I'm not complaining just yet. A Kamloops daycare being displaced from Royal Inland Hospital has been denied a one-year lease for Stuart Wood School. So the January 21st discussion by City Council followed a closed council meeting in November when Council received a report about Children's Circle's request for a lease due to its need to relocate from its current space, which is adjacent to the Royal Inland Hospital. It needs to have arrangements in less than five months' time. At the closed meeting, council voted 4-3 against the lease request from the Children's Circle daycare. Kamloops and Tukumloops have a letter of understanding for future use of the old school, and the city says it had not heard back from Tukumloops. So, Councillor Bill Sarai says that the daycare is out of the Royal Inland Hospital as of June 1st. Our own Colton Davies caught up with Councillor Sarai to talk more about the situation and what has happened at a closed council meeting last week.
2: That was one of the the main reasons that we can't go in on and and approve uh, leasing of space to a group when we don't know um, what the future of that site holds. And until we know um, 100% one way or the other, it's not fair to um, keep one group in limbo and there's other groups in the city that are looking for space um, that, that have the same um, difficulties as the circle daycare. So it's prudent for us to make sure that our partners Uh, across the TTS band uh, they have uh, the final say on 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 the the future of that building and respectfully we have to wait for their decision
3: right so obviously council decided 4 three to not give the one-year lease for the children's circle um, um daycare so was that the crux of that discussion obviously that's a pretty narrow vote so i guess there might have been uh maybe a bit of a difference of opinion on this more than some other things that come up
2: well, what I can say from my aspect, and, and please don't uh, don't try to read anything into it. We did reach out For to sure. TTS, and we were hoping to get a, an answer before this vote came. Um, I, I I know there's a uh, a struggle with daycare. I, I totally understand that, and we were all hoping every council member, whichever way they voted, we were hoping we had some kind of direction, one way or the other, before we had to take this vote. And I still had to be on the on the side where. It's not our building to lease out without the direction of the people that are, are right now um, in charge of that building. And until they give us direction, um, it wasn't our call, and that's why I voted. I, I'm not against daycare. I'm not against uh, giving up space for uh, uh, community groups, nonprofits. There's so many out there. Since the Side School is back in operation, we get calls every week for nonprofits looking for space. I would love to open up that whole school and give a classroom to each group. I don't feel that we're in the right spot to be able to do that without um, the direction from TTS.
3: Uh, and just uh, let me see here. So November, okay. So this was November. This was first discussed, I guess, and then discussed again and decided on January 21st. Is that kind of the uh, the sitch there?
2: Yeah, the November one was when we instructed staff to reach out to TTS and see if they would agree to um, uh, some kind of um, approval for us to open up some space for the daycare.
3: Anything else that you wanted to say or or could add on this, uh, Bill? I just, that was uh, pretty much all I was looking for here.
2: Yeah, and just, it's not just a daycare that's looking for space at that school. There's been a lot of discussions from a lot of groups. So um, as a counselor, I, I can't look at it as just a daycare, even though it pulls up my heartstrings that these kids need a place to, to um, uh, go. But there's a lot of groups out there that are just, if not dire straits, even more dire straits looking for space to operate. In a perfect world, we would have got the blessing and opened up maybe a whole floor and accommodated a lot of groups. Uh, it just didn't come... The approval or, or the discussion just didn't come to that point when this decision had to be made
3: i guess i don't know if there's if you can't comment on this i understand but you know is there any kind of insight into you know when we might start hearing about you know between the city and to come loops um uh, ideas in the works when we might start hearing about what could eventually happen with that space do you have any insight into that that you could say
2: i would say any time now um i'm hoping sooner than later but uh that's not for us to uh that's on TTS right now to they're doing their due diligence and and it's not an easy decision there's a lot of moving parts in this and and the governments that are involved so it's just not on TTS Um, they're probably in discussions with the provincial and and uh, federal governments as well and as you know being a reporter not everything um, goes as fast as you move up to government levels everything seems to slow down even more Um, we're ready to make a decision but Um, We just didn't have all the approvals in place to do it. One factor of this whole uh, puzzle that's missing is Interior Health. Circle Daycare is is situated in Interior Health uh, land right now. So Interior Health is the one that's evicting them and, and ceasing their lease. And most of the kids in Circle Daycare are children of Interior Health employees. And no one from Interior Health has ever come to us or any other agency and said, let's help these uh, Circle Daycare out to find them a place. So for them to throw it onto the city's lap and say it's all unused to, to find them a place to have a temporary place so their new place is built, I think that's unfair because the city's already done enough, uh, a lot, for Circle Daycare by exchanging some land so they can get a new building built uh, with their partnership with Opera in- Investment. So I would really, in my, in, a, in my aspect, I wish Interior Health was more involved with, uh, with, the, with the proposal of finding them a temporary building. And I never personally, in any of the reports, ever heard anything from Interior Health.
1: So there you go. There was Councillor Bill Sarai talking about the situation when it comes to the Children's Circle Daycare. Uh, just to summarize, so the Children's Circle Daycare requested for a lease uh, as it needs to relocate from its current space, which is adjacent to the Royal Inland Hospital. It was looking to to move into uh, a school here, and unfortunately, council uh, voted against that move. So unfortunately, they will continue to be looking for space. Uh, you know, it's just one of those difficult situations where, um, you know, council is forced to make a decision on that leasing of space. And um, unfortunately, that uh, just the plans that were up in front of them just didn't uh, didn't quite line up with uh, how they felt things should be going. So the Children's Circle Daycare needs a space until June of 2021 when it moves into a new home on 9th Avenue. So basically between June of 2020, so in then a little less than five months, till June of 2021, it is looking for one year of space. So anyone who has any information on possible spaces can call the Society at 250-314-5033, 250 314 So uh, you can give them a call if you have any updates on potential leasing space. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. The Children's Circle Daycare Society officials have said that the hope is that the daycare will ultimately find a home in Stewart Wood. But noted the society does have other options if it needs to go that way. Uh, what else is going on here today? We're getting a quick update right now from the feds as it comes to the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, so um, there is a plan in place to send a chartered flight to Wuhan, China, the epicenter of where the coronavirus has um, broken out. Uh, and there is, of course, a travel ban in Wuhan, but uh, the Canadian government is working on getting a chartered flight out there in order to pick up the Canadians who are stuck there. Meanwhile, though, there is um, an update happening in Ontario when it comes to their situation in the monitor of the of the virus itself, so the Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health says that the number of people under investigation in the province for the novel coronavirus seems to be dropping. Dr. David Williams says it has been about 11 days since China imposed those strict travel restrictions, and health officials have found that coronavirus symptoms can appear up to 14 days after exposure, so there is um, you know, still a chance that some of those uh, people who might have came here 11 days ago could still experience some symptoms within the next couple of days. Uh, Dr. David Williams gave an up State on the status of Ontario's three coronavirus cases here earlier today. Right now, all three cases are at home and doing well uh, in that situation and recovering, and that's good news. Yeah, the most recent case was announced on Friday. It was a mild one that had initially tested negative, and officials say nearly all of the other negative results have been retested and confirmed Then, since then just to make sure everything is uh, you know, going the way that the health officials are planning. There are 11 confirmed cases now of the new coronavirus in the United States. Here's Rita Foley with more on that. Your
0: opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com.
1: Welcome back to the show here on Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in. I got uh, John Keene now in studio. Usually we do this by phone on Monday morning, but uh, phone issues had other ideas. So thanks so much for uh, taking the time to come in, John. Appreciate hey, we're
0: it. We're all on the same team around here, right? We got to have each other's backs, eh?
1: I appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah, so lots to go over in a weekend, a uh, sports-filled weekend. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just start by asking about the Super Bowl. Did you watch it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, and uh, I know
0: that you had a little bet going on there, but, um, you know, I didn't really have a dog in the fight, uh, but as the game went on, I for some reason I always cheer for defenses. That's kind of my thing. I like the de- right. defensive football, and when I saw how San Fran was doing with Patrick Mahomes, I'm like they deserve it. Um, So I think I, I probably switched to uh, San Fran at some point of the football game.
1: Yeah, but uh, Mahomes' magic came through in the end and yes. and pulled it out. I uh, I thought the overall better team would win, but I always knew the best player in the game was Mahomes, and he- Never count out the best player in the game, right? That's so, exactly right, yeah. Uh, big weekend here for Kamloops, though. So, let I want to start by asking about curling, too, because uh, you know, pretty big news out of the curling scene here in, in town. I mean, we got Jim Carter, who uh is from Kamloops, but doesn't play out of Kamloops, but uh, still good to see that representation. But Corinne Brown, yeah. big win for Corinne Brown rank. Um, you know, you had a chance to catch up with her yesterday, It uh, was it yesterday? I believe you spoke with her, yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, what was that conversation like? I mean, it, we played a little bit of the clips you had here earlier today, and the emotion in her voice was was pretty evident.
0: Yeah, it's funny because w- w- when I was done that interview, I was like, Corinne, like I was I was trying to make you cry, but I just couldn't do it this time <laughs> here because usually, uh, You know, it doesn't take much. She's really an emotional person. Uh, And and when when she won, uh, they were very emotional. Uh, It's funny because she says, yeah, I just had to fill out about an hour's worth of paperwork. So it kind of took the emotion out of everything. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, But yeah, what a big win. And the thing is, I I think they probably felt it was slipping away as as, uh, Warwick scored three in six, I think it was, and then stole one and got up. So they had to fight tooth and nail with two and nine or two and ten to force the extra end, uh, and it probably was one of those "here we go again" scenarios in their heads, and it would have been a devastating loss had they not been able to pull it out this year.
1: Yeah, and, and getting the the steal in the eleventh right to come away with the win that's yeah. always impressive because it's I mean once you have the hammer in the extra end you almost yeah. feel like you're you're in the you are in, in the driver's seat right yeah sure. so a yeah. uh, big win and we'll look ahead to uh, February fifteenth I believe things start in Moose Jaw so yeah and be then it. the Jim Cotter they're off to uh, Kingston at the end of the month here for that one yeah, so. Lots of exciting curling action. It's it's the, the month of, of the curling calendar here in yes, Canada, so yeah. we'll be paying attention. Uh, all right, well, let's get into some Blazers action because we had uh, you know a couple of games here over the weekend. Um, nice win on Wednesday night at home against Spokane, and then they went this mini home-and-home home series Saturday, or Friday and Saturday night with Vancouver. Um, we'll start with Friday just because it was a pretty sweet little comeback that they had in the third period. I believe I, I saw you had put out it was the first time they had gotten a point, I believe, after being down in the third period. Uh, did I say that right? Yes, yeah, I yeah. know you're right, and it's it's a combination of two things. A, they
0: haven't been trailing that much in the third period, so there hasn't been a big opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. but they were still 0-8 when trailing after two periods. Uh, they didn't get the win, but uh, it was there for the taking in overtime, but just to get it to OT, I think, was a good uh, situation to be in. Anytime you're down two goals, I think in the third, if I say, hey, will you take a point? You probably take that deal. Especially if you're down two, right? Yeah, yeah, so uh, although they didn't get the win, I think there was a sense that um, you know maybe they were fortunate to get the point, and then get forward for the look forward to the rematch Saturday.
1: Yeah, and I mean obviously uh, Saturday night did not maybe get off to the start that everyone was hoping for at least when it comes to timing wise, <laughs> yes, yeah, right? Wow, what a weird one. Yeah, so some road issues ended up causing about an hour and a half delay, a little bit less than that. And uh, but the game was still able to be played. Vancouver got here, they were able to get on the ice, so it all kind of worked out, just with a bit of a later start than normal. Um, but uh, you know, I guess the story of the game. I mean, the, the Giants won three to two, uh, but it was one to one at the end of the second period-ish, a couple minutes left, and. And then uh, Schmiemann trips up. I don't remember who it was on the Giants, but trips him up. He goes flying into Grand, and uh, Grand is forced out of the game. I mean, uh, big, big story here because Dylan Grand has been an unreal goalie for the Blazers this year, and unfortunately wasn't able to come back in the third period. So, what can you tell us about uh, his status right now?
0: Yeah, uh, you know what? I think you you look at it. You look at his body work in January, right? He goes 7-0-1. Uh, with a save percentage of 9.39 and a, a goals against of under 1.5, so mm-hmm. I think he's probably going to be the Radio One L uh, Andre's Electronics Player of the Month. Uh, but but yeah, he he's been really valuable. And and um, if you see, watch the clip, uh, it was Tristan Nielsen, and you're right. There's a stick that gets in the skates. Blazers feel that it was you know that that Nielsen could have controlled his momentum a little better. Um, you know that's a tough spot there for sure when you when you get uh, cut down. So he goes into Grand, and that that one leg uh, ends up going backwards and then is jarred by the post right mm-hmm. where, where the net comes off and doesn't come off that easy, but it comes off. And I think that, that movement of, you know, your your momentum's going one way and then it stops suddenly from behind and that can really mess some things up there. So, uh, I believe Dylan Garan is set to uh, work with their, uh, their specialist here in the next uh, day or two to get a, a further understanding. Um, talking to Dylan uh, on the weekend, he was optimistic. He feels pretty good about it. Um, so that's good, but when when it comes to those types of injuries, you you never really know until um, until you get some sort of clarification. So I think you know, optimism is is good but um, you're never kind of out of the woods until you get definitive work.
1: Yeah, uh, it's probably a, a good week, I guess, in terms of timing, though, given that there are new mid mid-week games this week. So he does have the full uh, until Friday to, to kind of figure out how things are feeling, and if he can get back on the ice here um, as they get set to host a couple of games with Victoria on Friday and Saturday. We'll, we'll get to that, but i also get you to speak on Race Ramsey's performance because like a really tough situation. I believe the first two shots went in um, you know, r- almost right away. He gets in the game. He has a chance. So maybe did a little bit of a stretch in, but not much. And then, uh, you know, just a couple seconds later, the puck's in the net. But he was able to recover. He had a pretty good third period after all was said and done. Unfortunately, they weren't able to complete the comeback. But just uh, your thoughts on Ramsey's game and kind of that difficult spot he was put in in the second period.
0: Well, there's no doubt he'll have to carry the mail this weekend. I don't think there's any scenario where Dylan Garand is ready for the weekend here ahead. Um, So I think you're looking at race Ramsey, uh, probably both those games Friday, Saturday in Victoria. And then uh, the Blazers will have to call up a goaltender more than likely it'll be their top prospect 15 year old more on that in a second but mm-hmm. getting back to race ramsey yeah it, it's funny because he he enters the game five on three because not only That's did right. the goaltender get hurt there was also a penalty on the play mm-hmm. right uh, there was a tripping call which is such insult to injury and aggravation and everything else and um you know he gives up that one that goes off a blazer stick right in front that that makes it uh, 2-1 um, and and then he's still stretching out. He's still trying to warm up the groin and the yeah. crease after the five-on-three goal, and then another one actually went off Connor's area in front, uh, off his skater, and by him. So, um, yeah, that was a real turning point because the Blazers were fully in control of that game. So race didn't wasn't really tested at all in the third period as the Blazers were trying to come back. Uh, but he's going to get his chance here. He's going to play probably you know, the top team in the division, uh, other than the Blazers here this weekend, and uh, he's going to be looked upon to to try and get at least a split out of the island and uh, and keep this uh, lead atop the division.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, Victoria is the team that's in second in the BC division right now. Uh, Vancouver, with the, the three points, has now taken over Kelowna's spot. So Kelowna's sitting in a wild-card spot right now, so um, just to dig a knife in a little bit of yeah. what's going on in Kelowna because, man, they've yeah. had a rough little six-week stretch here since, uh, really since the World Juniors came back. I mean, they came here, they played right after um, against uh, Kamloops, and then uh, Foot got hurt in that game, and he hasn't really been back since, and mm. they've really struggled. Um, but that's that's good to see, right? From a Kamloops well, perspective, that's what we want,
0: right? I was sitting sitting around with some friends after the game kind of feeling, woe is me, you just lost both to the Giants, and you might lose your starting goaltender here for a while. And I'm thinking, hey, it could be worse, could be Kelowna, right? I mean, exactly. They go and get uh, beat up by Spokane there twice and uh, really outplayed. And it wasn't only that. It was two players that ended up from the Rockets to Spokane were a uh, great trolling by Spokane, by the way, because they <laughs> named them the first and the second stars That's in that great. game. So, That's great. Yeah. Uh, Kelowna, they'll, they'll, they'll get healthy. They'll figure it out. And uh, they'll, they'll be down the stretch. They'll be tough.
1: Perfect. Uh, 30 seconds left here. John, just what are you expecting with this home and home, or sorry, the couple of games here in Kamloops this weekend, Friday, Saturday night with Victoria?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, Victoria is 11 points back, so they probably, don't feel like they are out of it just yet, and they're probably thinking, boy, we can close this to seven uh, with uh, without the Blazers starting goaltender here, so um, I think it'll be their first game off their eastern swing. They just played their six-game eastern swing, the only one once. They are probably very
1: upset with how that went, mm-hmm. so I'm expecting them to be uh, ready to go. Yeah, definitely a big weekend for Victoria if they want any chance of catching Kamloops. They're going to need to come away with a couple of wins for sure. Um, All right. Well, thanks, John. Really appreciate you coming in, taking the time, and uh, we'll listen to you Friday night here on NL. Okay, Jeff, thanks for having me. Right on. That was Blazers play-by-play announcer, John Keane. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me, and of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.